I have a word from the Lord this morning, and um, I want to just simply kind of share like I did in somewhat of a devotional tone this morning, but God is going to speak to us. And the subject of my thought as I continue in this ways for the last days, if you've been following along the app ways, like the Holy Spirit, it's an internal divine compass orders your steps. And how many of you know we need that in this day? In the last days, not D-A-Y-S, but days, when you're bewildered, confused, when you're living in a season of not knowing what to do, thank God for Holy Spirit as he leads us. And we need it. And the great men and women of the, of the Bible in the Old and New Testament found themselves many times in situations like ours. And God was incredibly faithful, and he will continue to be incredibly faithful. So this morning, I want to talk to you about what to do when you don't know what to do. And we're going to look, uh, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Luke chapter 1. And I don't really have a text. If I have to have a text, it's at the very end of the sermon this morning. And I believe it's going to resonate as we set this, this up. So what we see in Luke chapter 1, first of all, Luke was a doctor. He was a historian. And we know that he gave us very accurate depiction. His gospel is a very trustworthy and detailed gospel story. Everybody listen. We pick up in Luke chapter 1. It's a critical time. It's a critical season in history. As God's people have been waiting for the Messiah for generation after generation, century after century. And you know when you wait and you pray and you trust God and believe him for a promise, the longer you wait, the easier it is to just begin to go through the motions. Your passion wanes and the days affects you being able to know which way to go. And this is the story that we find very similar parallel. And listen to me. Out of the clear blue, God shows up in a remarkable way. In Luke chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Everybody look right here, and you'll see these. So here's the condition. They've been waiting a long time. Elijah is, I mean, Zechariah is in a priestly tribe. His wife comes from the priestly tribe of Aaron, too. These are two pretty significant faith-filled people. But the Bible describes them as righteous. And then it says they were, listen to me, very careful to obey the Lord's commands. They were righteous and they were sincere. But, doesn't say but, but this is the description. They were childless. She was barren. And they were old. Very old. I like how Zechariah later, he tells Gabriel, I'm, I'm, I'm very old. I'm an old man. 
And my wife, this was a godly man. He goes, and my wife, she's well advanced in years too. So they're righteous, sincere, childless, barren, and old. The first thing I want to say to you, just kind of a devotional download. Everybody listen. We're in a season right now. If you're not sincere yet, you got issues, spiritually speaking. God should have our attention now. The veneer, superficial, following from a distance, lukewarm kind of quesara approach to your faith life needs to be over. It's time to get sincere. And you're going to find out in a few minutes. Only sincere people hear from God and know what to do. I'm amazed at what we're seeing, that many Christian people are still dozing. They're still dazed. And I'm not, I'm not talking about political stuff. I'm talking about spiritual stuff. Bible prophecies being fulfilled everywhere you look, that there are people still with their fingers crossed going, hope we can get back to normal soon. And I would caution you and say, now is the time. And, and some of what I'm saying, I'm motivated now because I understand there are people, other pastors even, people that are following and listening to what God's saying to our church. And I just, I call the church to a season of sincerity, of earnestness, of, of zeroing in, dialing in, waking up. Are you with me? It's interesting that their situation, they're sincere. They're righteous and sincere, praise God. Because their natural condition, childless, barren, and old. It's interesting how just really difficult that situation is. And in this same chapter, God is about to do something like amazing in the earth. In this chapter, it starts, but no one sees it coming. Verse five says that Herod was in charge. The people of God were under Roman occupation. There, was, there were terrorists in the land ruling over the people of God. And it just, Luke just throws that in there. Many people read that and don't even know who Herod is. Is he a Roman? Is he a Gentile? Or is he a Jew? He was not a friend to the cause of God. And so we see that's the condition. This is the same Herod whose wife would say, let's kill this little baby that comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth. This was a desperate, bad situation. And it starts out, and it's interesting that Elizabeth is too old to do what God wants to do in her. In a few verses, she has a relative, Mary, who God's getting ready to do something special in her womb too, inside of her. And she's too young. You've got people, two people disqualified on this side and this side. One's too young and one's too old. How many of you know that God is not a respecter of persons? Peter said on the day of Pentecost, he quoted from Joel and said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. How many of you are 
just glad to be alive this morning. You're not seeing visions anymore, but you'll take the dreams. Even on my handmaid, 1 Timothy 4, Paul tells uh, Timothy, verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. And I just speak in the name of Jesus as I watch these three children get baptized. And we've got students, high schooler, middle schoolers and high schoolers getting baptized in the next service. I just speak into this atmosphere. Let little Daniels, let little Esthers, let little Ruths, Shadrachs, Meshach, Abednego, let little Jonas be birthed in this place. And may they raise up and be able to fulfill their calling until their last, they draw their last breath. And I speak to somebody that's 78, 81, going, I don't know if I have anything left to give. I, I, we, in this season, may you be sincere. And even in your old age, may your prayers be answered. May you lock arms with the rest of us in this church. And may your experience and your wisdom and your faith and your story rub off on everybody that's half your age. And may these become the good old days. So they're too young, too old. And this is how God brings the forerunner that Malachi speaks up, who comes in the spirit of Elijah. And this is how God brings the Messiah. And God drops in and says some interesting stuff to Zechariah as he's praying. And I want to just... Drop in a caveat, devotionally speaking, as your pastor. God still speaks. And I don't, I don't have to defend that. I want to deal with it. Um, he speaks through his word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through people. My prayer is that he is speaking right now to you and everybody else in this room. But we're in a day where we've become so intellectual in our approach and there's nothing wrong. Things should make sense. But intellect alone is not enough. We need to know things in the realm of, our, of the spirit. When God speaks, a lot of times, why am I even drilling down there? Because Christians and spiritual leaders, like I've heard pastors that will say, God spoke to me. And I, it, I didn't have too much, I don't think I ate too much pizza last night. And as, almost as if, I'm sorry, I know you're not going to trust that God spoke to me. And so we're, we're somewhat dismissive. Or we slide into it like, I know y'all think I'm weird, but God spoke to me. We should, we should repent from acting like that. Because God speaks. And if, he, if he's no longer speaking, then he changed the nature of his relationship with people. God speaks. And sometimes we don't hear because we're, we're too heady, shoulders up only, and not shoulders down as well. And it's almost as if, and I know, I know how this works. There are people that go, um, well, God didn't create me emotional. Well, then you're deformed. It's like if somebody came out of the womb with one arm, we would see physically there. And it's not like God goes, you know, I'm going to give the Pentecostals more emotion and they'll find each other and have a church that'll be more expressive. It's not that way. 
It's, it's not. Hear me. It's not. I'm a smart dude too. I got a college degree. Took me a little longer than the average person, but I, was, I enjoyed it a little more. I'm well read. I know what's going on. But I'm wired emotionally. And listen to me. We, so much of what we deal with, we, we hear God intellectually and never emotionally, soulfully, spiritually. And we're open to reading things that make sense. Let me tell you something. If, if, if Zachariah was wired to do that that day, he wouldn't have said this. I know that I know that I know that I know. This is what God said. Now, Zachariah, and we're going to get there in a second if we get there this morning. Um, Zachariah, God has, listen, God has to say, Zachariah, because you're not listening and trusting what I'm saying, I'm taking away your voice at home while your wife is pregnant. Listen, there are men who have no voice at home because they can't hear what God says in here. They hear it up here, but they don't know that they know that they know. Y'all tracking with me? And so here in this situation, God shows up and he says, Zachariah, I have heard your prayer. And I'm going to give you a son, and his name is to be John. That right there is a whole sermon. Wouldn't you love to know that every prayer you pray that's spirit-led, God is one day going to come and say, I've heard your prayer. Wouldn't you love to know that? Well, you can know that, because that's what his word says. His word says that his ears are attentive to the cry of the righteous. And then he comes and says, you're going to have a son. God didn't show up and go, listen, I still love you. Y'all are going to make it through this. The Messiah's coming eventually. He didn't come and just say, you're going to have a son. He says to the couple that's too old, you're going to give birth to the one Malachi spoke of who's going to, through his ministry, the hearts of the fathers are going to be turned to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. There's so much right there. This is a man who never had a son. He finally got a son. He knew what the privilege of being a father was. God's going to use him like that. And then God says, you're, you're to name him John. We'll get to this in a minute, I think. Everybody look here. This is really a rhema word for some people here. Later we find out, you know, if you're Zachariah, the history is, no, my son will be Zachariah Jr. We don't have any Uncle Johns or Papa Johns or Papa Johns or Dominoes in our family. And we, John, we find out later, that was a point of contention, a point of, Surprise, John, you don't have anybody on either side named John. That's because God was saying, I'm doing something brand new in this family against all the odds. 
What I'm getting ready to do is worthy of a new name that no one's ever had in this family. How many of you love to give birth to a new son named whatever God wants to name it this morning so that whatever has happened in your family, there's a new person of promise that's going to turn the hearts of each other in that family toward each other. Y'all tracking with me? Verse 13, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And there was evidence of that in this chapter. When John in Elizabeth's womb at six months heard the mother of Jesus, he worshiped, he leapt in her womb. Y'all out there? Verse 16, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, and this is similar to what Mary says later. How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Everybody listen. Here's a great word from heaven to Zechariah, and it's like many sermons. It's too good to be true. That's for somebody else in the room, but not for me. And so Zechariah starts explaining to Gabriel that I, I think you've got, I'm an old man, and the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I just came from heaven, and the one in charge of it all told me to tell you this. Are y'all tracking? I'm an old man. I'm disqualified. Verse 19, then the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Zechariah doubts. He loses the ability to speak. Comes out and gestures to the people what happened, what took place. And I remind you again, we're at a critical time where people are going through the motions. And it could be that God was saying, if I could just get someone sincere in here praying, I'm ready to move. And he gets Zachariah in that place and he speaks to him and gives him an almost unbelievable promise. He goes through the motions, God shows up, and the one who would one day turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, the one who would one day say to the whole world, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who was born under Herod's reign, who would decide the fate of his life one day, that one is given to the couple who's too old to bring forth children. Now, we observe four things. What to do when you don't know what to do. Please write these things down, everybody. Number one, 
What do I do when I don't know what to do? I spend time listening to God. Brothers and sisters, you must spend time in this season of pandemic, scandemic, plandemic, COVID, all the stuff that's happening in our world. And it seems like it gets weirder and crazier and more evil every single week. The things that happened this week, two weeks ago, we'd been no way. And who knows what's coming this week? You must learn how to spend time listening to God, how to hear his voice. You must spend time reading your Bible, hanging with people who read their Bible. Zechariah wasn't just going through the motions. He was sincere and serving his week in the temple. And then an angel showed up and God spoke to him. The second thing that you've got to do is you've got to believe God and trust God. He's trustworthy. You can trust him even if what he tells you is outlandish. Now, everybody, listen. Don't get a crazy word from the Lord when you haven't been walking in obedience and in accountability with others because some people get outlandish, crazy words from the Lord, and they are just that, crazy words, not from the Lord. The Bible says we are peculiar people. Last week, I said we are to live like strangers. Oh, I, could, I just feel like I should visit right there. Peculiar, not ignorant. Peculiar, people that catch other people's attention, like light and darkness, salt, that savors the earth. Peculiar people. Everybody listen. How do you know when somebody gets an outlandish word? When I get an outlandish word. Who, who does God speak to? People who are two things. Humble and obedient. If I haven't obeyed God at the basics John 14 teaches me, Jesus said that relationship, God won't share things that reveal who he is. He won't speak to me if I'm not obeying what he's already told me to do. This is Mary. Mary said, when the angel said, no, you're going to bring forth the Messiah. And she said, I am your humble servant. I will be obedient. Let that word come to pass in me. The third thing is this. You know what, I got, I got to back up. Believe God and trust God. I think it's verse 45 where Mary says, I mean, I'm sorry, where Elizabeth says to Mary, she says these words right here, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. How many of you want to be blessed like that, that you believe he will, against all odds, in the craziest season when it looks like it's way too late, how many of you are holding on to some words right now that are going to come to pass? And they may be outlandish, but we're not too young and we're not too old. We're going to see him fulfill his promises. Come on, somebody. I got some joy coming up in me right now. Number three, do what God tells you to do. Now, look. Everybody wants to hear a word from the Lord. 
And we have these spiritual circus atmospheres. I'm telling you, God is stripping me down. My motives are being purified in this season. It is not about building a crowd. I still have friends, pastoral friends. Their number one goal is to get the room filled up again. And that, is, that should not be the goal. The goal is to be faithful. I don't even want to be right. I don't even want to win. I just want to be faithful. Y'all out there? And so we, we speak and we do what God tells us to do. You know, when, when Zachariah gets, when you get a word that you're too old, or I'm, when your condition is I'm too old, she's well advanced too and barren. And an angel shows up. You know, when, it, when God shows up in church, do you know what all the others in the tribe were doing? They were like, Zachariah, he's in there a long time. When God shows up in your service, you won't be able to have a little 45-minute cookie cutter. Let's sing two worship songs and hear from our cute pastor with three points. And a, y'all, y'all out there? And you didn't come for that. You're, y'all are past that. I'm past that. We came to get in God's presence and hear his word and let his word shape our hearts. And that's what happened to Zechariah. How do we, you, when you get a word that it's, y'all are finally going to have your first baby, you go home, put your dentures in, turn the lights down, the candles up, and, and you, you make prep for a, a romantic evening. I don't want to get graphic. Well, I do, but I'm not going to. Elizabeth, come over here, honey. I know it sounds crazy, but come here, sugar. Come here, sugar. Lock that door over, honey. It's been a long time since we've done anything like this, but I just... Can you imagine? Some of you women would be like, When God tells you to do something, you might have to get naked and vulnerable and trust him in the secret place. Y'all out there, I I didn't read this from a book. Half of what I'm saying to you, I've studied all week. Half of what I'm saying to you this morning, Holy Spirit is dropping... Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Let he who has ears hear what the Spirit says to the church. The fourth thing is this. Say what God tells you to say. Now, please, please hear me. Stand on his word. Say what he says. Not only what he said, but what he's saying Learn how to hear his voice. To do that, you will have to learn how to believe him and trust him. And then say what he says. Everybody listen. Now, we, we know all the verses, right? What does Proverbs 18, 21 say? Power of life and death is in the tongue, right? James 3 tells us that the tongue is like a horse's bit. The tongue, can, that you can control a horse. It's like the rudder of a ship. It's like the one small spark that can set the whole forest on fire. 
Do you know what Isaiah 54, Isaiah 50 and Psalm 54 say? Listen, they say, they teach this principle. Awake my tongue. Awake my glory. Awake my soul. The tongue is tied when you can learn how to speak right. That's why we're above all other creation. We're not like whales who can communicate for hundreds of miles away. We're not like dogs who can communicate. I'm hungry. There's a deer out there. I want to bark at 530 in the morning. We're not like them. We are created in the image of God. And we have the ability to speak things. And when the baby was born and they came into the place of worship on the eighth day when he was circumcised, and they said, we've got to put his name on his birth certificate. What will his name be? And Zechariah, for nine months, has still not been able to, te- to talk. And, and Elizabeth says, his name is John. And they said, no, there's no one else here by that name. So they went over to Zechariah, and he asked for a post-it note and a pen. And he said, listen, he said, Just think, I know y'all know the story, but think about this. He's had nine months to think. I'm not sure I like that name. There's a lot of pressure. And some of us go, he's here. That's all I wanted. So I'm going to take a shortcut. Thank you, God, for this baby. What a miracle. We're going to call him Little Zach. He had to stand against the peer pressure Family pressure, in-laws, John, and he had to finish the obedience and say, listen, there is pressure more than what, like we heard in Sunday school. He said, his name is John, done, that's it. And then what happened? There, listen, when you say what God says, there is a release. You can feel it in this room right there. And the Bible says, immediately he began to speak, praise God, prophesy, and the people were in awe. Are y'all out there this morning? When you say, when you release your tongue, when you say what God told you to say, there's a release that comes. Now, These three things happen. I just mentioned them. Please notice what happens when Zechariah does this. It's the same thing. And I just feel in the name of Jesus for us in a crazy culture at a crazy time. Let us stand with passion in our hearts. It's Romans 10, 9 that says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you say with your mouth, He is Lord. You will be saved. (sighs) May our hearts right now in this crazy season not be about shallow veneer stuff. May our hearts be filled with, we believe the tomb is still empty. We believe no matter what happens on Capitol Hill or Wall Street or Bangladesh or Iran, Iraq, Dubai, Afghanistan, Turkey, Israel, the tomb is empty and Jesus is still Lord. May our hearts believe it and our mouths say it. 
There's a connection, what's in here and what comes out here. And I just, I want to challenge everybody. It's so critical right now. We are being bombarded with news, fake news, alternative news, friends dying. Whether it's right or wrong, there's distrust in the medical field. If I get it, where do I go? What do I do? We put our hearts, we put our feet on the word of God and we stand and we declare his truth. We hear what he says and that's the root of it. So what happens when he says what God's saying? These three things I mentioned. The first thing is praise breaks out. Verse 63, he motioned for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Read verse 64 out loud, declare it with me. Instantly, come on, do it again. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And what? He began praising God. The church, the power of praise and worship is a weapon. And when the enemy comes in to silence us, our worship and our praise is limited. Immediately, Zechariah was able to speak. And what did he do? He didn't go to explaining why he named him John. I understand. But what he did, he began to praise God. The second thing is, we see that the people are in awe. Verse 65, look, all fell upon the whole neighborhood. I love how the New Living Translation says it. How many of you, listen, don't, I'm, I'm not playing church up here. This is a pastor that's crazy enough to believe this Bible is true, was true. Why are we reading this story? Some of you are tempted to go, Luke chapter 1, that's a great story, but that happened back then. Let me remind you, the Bible says, the Bible, the Word is a mirror. We look into it and we see ourselves and we see our God and His template of how He works in the earth. And in this crazy season, God showed up and spoke an outlandish word. And here he is again this morning speaking and reminding us that he is the God of the impossible. And if we would believe that, do what he says, say what he's saying, the whole neighborhood might be in awe again. I know I'm preaching, swimming upstream, but it's okay. If the head of this church, if the pastor has it in his heart, it might be a matter of time, but I'm going to pray, I'm going to worship, I'm going to study, I'm going to preach and declare his truth. And if you don't believe it, hang around here long enough. We're getting ready to see the kingdom of God released. Too much of this head only, intellect only. Let our hearts embrace. If you don't believe God can move, you're going to be having a hard time believing he's in control. Have a hard time believing he's going to send Jesus one day and there's a trump of God's going to sound we believe this Bible is true. I'm preaching good for me this morning. I've encouraged myself in the Lord, so y'all just enjoyed the benefits of watching me get pumped up again up here. And then thirdly, this, this is, I, I don't have time to break down the whole prayer. This is the last thing I want to share. Um, he began to prophesy. Praise breaks out. The people are in awe. Verse 67, then his father Zechariah, don't underestimate these words, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Everybody stop and look up here. 
Now, we, we have the vantage point looking back and going, yeah, that's the forerunner. That's John the Baptist. He doesn't have that. So now he's filled with the Spirit, and he stands and begins to speak over his son. May we stand and speak over our sons and daughters. I love what he says in verse, 30, in verse 76. The New Living says, listen, he takes this little eight-day old boy, and he says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He just got his voice back. There's a release. Because you will prepare the way for the Lord. He prophesies over him. He joins and says over his son what God's word has already said over his son. What if he doesn't say it? He joins him and says, in closing, look what verse 78 says. And brothers and sisters, raise your antennas up right now and just say, my encouragement antennas are up. My ears are open. Speak to me, Lord. He says this, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness. And is this us or not? And in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. I'm going to read it again. Just everybody, just, I know there's some Methodists in the room, so just hold them up a little bit, just like this. There's Presbyterian, Pentecost, there's crazy people, educated, uneducated. It, it, just, just work with me here. Lord, just speak to us from your word. He prophesies, the morning light from heaven is about to break. How many of you could just say, Lord, we receive that. Let it come from heaven, Lord. We don't want anything from any denominational headquarters. We don't want anything from any earthly vessel. We want from heaven, we want that to fall upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness. How many even know about 300 million people walking in darkness right now? The whole world is vexed with the same darkness. And then lastly, receive this, brothers. And in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Come on, just say, I receive it. Come on, be ready to lead us and pour your spirit out. Just stand with us right now. Be encouraged in the Lord. Come on, do not leave this room distracted. Do not let the enemy... Get that worry, spirit, anxiety, spirit back on you. In the name of Jesus, some of you middle schoolers and high schoolers, in the name of Jesus, the Lord, if he tarries, you will be married. You will have children. You will fulfill your, de fulfill your destiny. Your generation's dealing with some stuff none of us had to deal with. We heard it preached, but we did not see the manifestation of darkness and evil like, like you're seeing. And yes, I know, in your schools all around you, there is anxiety, there is oppression, there is depression, and the enemy is trying to take your generation out. But we speak over you in the name of Jesus. Faith and life and anointing and power and destiny. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
We praise you. Come on, we praise you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and let's worship.